0: We are right in the middle of a 12 week series that we're calling Apocalypse. And uh, this is, uh, we, we spent four weeks in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, we are now in the second week of Daniel. And uh, so we're, we're having a lot of fun with that. Last week, we talked about uh, the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you're a Tale fan, Rakshak and Benny. And uh, we talked about that story. And what we came to realize is uh, that we can have a faith. In the midst of captivity, in the midst of trial, uh, that declares, even if he does not. Even if he does not. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, um, I, I want to encourage you to go to our website. Uh, you can stream past messages uh, right there on our website. Or if you um, are, are one of those Apple uh, people like I am. Uh, then you can go to the iTunes store. If you search Emmaus Road, uh, then we actually we podcast every one of our messages. And so you can go back and, and listen to a number of them there. Uh, we just encourage you to do that. And, and in fact, let me just take a, a, a moment to share, you, uh, share with you about all the ways that we're trying to be uh, in, in the world of technology that our culture is. So the first is podcast. Uh, second is, you may not know this, but we, have, we are now uh, ready to go with online giving. So uh, if it's just easy for you to set up a recurring gift uh, that, that comes through online and just comes automatically out of your checking account, uh, then you can now do that. Just go to our website. We have a giving link uh, so you can give recurring gifts there, one-time gifts there, uh, but some, we know for some of you that's just easier and more convenient, so we want to make that available to you. And then also, if you're a smartphone or tablet user and you have your smartphone or tablet with you today and you have the Bible app uh, that is published by YouVersion, uh, then we actually put the scripture right there on your phone for you, uh, just search in the live section. Uh, there will also be some sermon notes there uh, that you can follow along with. And you can add your own notes, email them to yourself uh, for, for you know, looking at later or, or however you'd like to do that, however you would like to archive all of your sermon notes. So we try to do that, all of that to just uh, try to get you involved in the life of the church, try to get, all, try to get you all the information that you can uh, so, that, um, so that you are well equipped uh, for the life of faith that God has called us to. All right, so today... We are in Daniel chapter 7. <clears throat> this series has been filled with um, weird stuff, right? Are you guys with me? We looked at, like, uh, we looked at Ezekiel chapter 1, where Ezekiel uh, sees a heavenly vision, and it's like all these weird creatures and wheels within wheels and it's just bizarre and then we looked at Ezekiel chapter 4 where Ezekiel uh, lays on his side all bound up and then eats food that's cooked over human excrement. That was awesome Um, and so we're looking at all of these kind of really weird passages of scripture then we took a break and looked at Rakshak and Benny and that was just all really um, uplifting and we're going to be back into the weird stuff today. So you guys ready? Come on now. All right. Well, ready or not, here it comes. Okay? Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. So sit back, relax, follow along, just uh, sit and listen. Um, If you snore, then your neighbor will bump you. Uh, But here we go. Daniel chapter 7, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of uh, Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and the visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed, and he wrote them down, he wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision, I looked, and there before, my, there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, and four great beasts, each one different from the others, came up out of the sea. And the first was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, there as it stood on two human feet like a human being, and a human mind was given to it, and there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear, and it was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh, and then after that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird, the beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule, and after that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast. Terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And it was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. Now, while I was thinking about the horns, that just cracks me up, right? He's seeing like this stuff of nightmares. And then he's like, while I was thinking about the horns, you know, of all of that, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about the horns. Okay, so while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn. A little one. The little stuff is always the scariest. The little one, which came up from among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. Now the horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Now as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was white as wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze, and a river was uh, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him, and thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him, and the court was seated, and the books were opened. And then I continued to watch, because of the boastful words of the horn was speaking. And I kept looking at the uh, until the beast was slain. And it's body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. Now the other beasts had, all, had been stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming out of the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Now he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power over all the nations, and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be be destroyed now I Daniel, troubled in spirit, yeah <laughs> and the visions passed through my mind uh, disturbed me, so I approached one of these uh, one of those standing there, and I asked him the meaning of all of this now we won 't ask for what kinds of dream you had last night; it may produce something just as weird, but Daniel, after this dream is is wonder- wanting to know what in the world does this mean and so he gave me the interpretation uh, uh, of these things the four beasts are four kings that will rise up from the earth but the holy people of the most high will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever yes forever and ever that's the whole interpretation of the dream right all of that and then the interpretation four great beasts uh, are, are the kings they will rise up from the earth but the holy people the most high will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever yes forever and ever well, well then Daniel says well I wanted to know more about the meaning of the fourth beast which was different from all the other beasts and it was the most terrifying with its iron teeth and its bronze claws and the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which of the three of them fell and the horn that looked more imposing than the others that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And as I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. So he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is the fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all the others all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come up from the kingdom, and, and them, then uh, after them another king will arise, different from the early ones, who will subdue, subdue the other kings. Now he will speak against the Most High and oppress the holy people and will, uh, and will try to change the set times and the laws, but the holy people will be delivered into the hands four time, times and a half a time clear as mud I, I, I studied this whole thing like times times a time and half a time and, and here's what the commentary said we don't know okay so I just saved you hours of study <laughs> like, like every commentary you read what does it mean all the commentators are like Pfft. okay so um, so there it is but the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. And then the sovereignty, power, and the greatness of the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. And his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. Now, I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. And my face turned pale, and I kept the matter to myself. <laughs> okay, so, you ready? Ready? <laughs> Let's jump right into this. Okay, the, the vision starts with this. The four winds from heaven. The four winds from heaven. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven, and in that chapter, the wind of God comes over the bones, and it gives this bone, the, these this valley of very dry bones, new life. And what we talked about is that the Hebrew word here is the ruah of God. The ruah of God comes over this valley of death, breathes new life into it. That this this word for wind, breath spirit, it's used 10 times in Ezekiel 37, just in the first 14 verses, is this, this word ruah. And what we talked about there is that, you know, let's just be honest. We need the ruah of God to sweep over us. That, that we, could, we could be very dead in our, in, in our valleys of life. That, that we could even ha- look like we have all the life in the world, but actually be dead. And what we need is the fresh Ruah of God to sweep over us and bring us new life. Now, so as I was studying this and we have the vision, the dream starts with four winds of heaven. It's the same word. Ha, 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 right? It's what what Daniel sees or envisions in his dream. Maybe we could call it a nightmare. What he sees is the very... Ruah of heaven. It's the Spirit of God. And now, automatically, I'm like, why are there four and not three? If it's the Ruah of God, it would make sense for him to say, I saw three Ruahs, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That would be a nice little Trinity roundup thing. And we would all be, just feel really good about that. But there's four. Which is like, that's not great. You know? Why isn't there three? And so, why are there four ruahs of God? Well, it, it, it's this—it's this way of saying that the the ruah of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God is coming from every direction. There's 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 winds of God coming from every direction in this passage, in this dream. And it says this, the winds are doing something. The winds are churning up the sea. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time in verse 1. I want to just give you a word of encouragement. We're not going to spend that much time on every verse. Some of you are like, if we're going to do this for the whole chapter... I need to settle in. I need to put the kids to bed on, on the pew, on the chairs, because we're going to be here a while. We're not going to be here that long, okay? So, so these winds are, are this, the, the winds of God from every direction are churning up the sea. Now, the sea in ancient writing was often pictured or, or, or often used as a picture for the origin or the source of evil. So the winds of heaven coming from every direction are churning up or are in conflict with the sea, the sea being the source of evil. And so right now, the winds of heaven churning up the great sea, there's a conflict going on between the way of heaven the wind of heaven, and the evil or the chaos that originates out of the sea. Now, I see that some of you are not convinced about the whole ocean thing being evil. Uh, I don't like water, so when it's like the ocean is evil, I'm like, amen, you know. So I don't like to swim or anything like that. Uh, but, but here it is. In Revelation 21, when we're given a picture of God's new world, God's, uh, God's new city, God's new Jerusalem comes down, and we're given this really weird detail, uh, in, in Revelation, it says uh, that, that God will be our God, and we will be his people, and there's all this talk. And then it says, and there will be no sea in God's new world. Now, does that mean that there's no water in God's new creation? No, it's, it was a way of John saying that the, the, the source of evil, the source of chaos, will be no longer in God's new world. And so so right so right from the very beginning in his dream there's a conflict. And the conflict is between the ruah of God, the wind of God coming from every direction. It's churning up the sea. There's evil between, there there there's conflict between the way of heaven and evil and chaos. You got it? That's what's happening. That's setting the stage. And then out of the sea come these four beasts, a lion with wings, a bear with ribs in its mouth, a leopard with four wings and four heads, and then a terrifying beast with with iron teeth that is different from all the other beasts, that is not given an imagery from an earthly animal because it's far too fierce to have any kind of earthly counterpart. And and, and then we have, uh, we're going to go through this real quick, right? So then we have this little horn, with eyes and a mouth that has, seems to have authority over all the other beasts. And what in the world does all of that mean? Well, we're told in the interpretation that the beasts are, are, are kings that rise up. Or nations that rise up. You know, we talk, we talk a lot in this church about the kingdom of God. And, and, and we don't really... Kingdom is sort of this idea that you and I, we don't really... It doesn't make any sense in our minds. Because we don't live in kingdoms, we live in nations. And so I want you to think about nations as being equal to kingdoms. And so, what, what this, what John or, or what uh, Daniel is seeing it is nations that have a king or a kingdom rising up out of this evil as, as associates of or as being in cahoots with the evil, or the chaos. In other words, the kings are rising up out of the sea. That's a way of saying that they are bringing the evil and the chaos about in the world. Does that make sense? And, does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> so the beast represents nations. These nations are agents of evil. They're associated with chaos and they participate in the way of evil and are therefore at odds with the winds of heaven. Let me tell you, In a a political season where we just came out of an election, where where some of you may have been thrilled with the results, and others of you may have been disappointed with the results, Uh, I want to say what I said last week to help give us some political perspective. That regardless of of, of whoever wins the election, you and I have an opportunity to align our allegiance with the winds of heaven or or the nations of the earth. That, That regardless of what nation we find ourselves in, there is One body of Christ, one church universal, always expressed in local communities that are participating in life of the kingdom of God. And so regard, So, so if, you, if you're here today and the election didn't turn out like you thought, your hope is not lost and your faith is not shattered. If your hope is lost and if your faith is shattered based on the outcomes of the election, then might I say to you with all the love in the world, but, but may I speak the truth to you, your hope has been misplaced. Your faith is in the wrong person. And so this is exactly what's going on here. He says the, the source of the evil, the chaos, are these nations that are going around and, 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 and perpetrating the way of evil on the world because they're coming out of the sea, the source of evil. But, and that's in conflict with the wind and the ruah of God. And so... The other thing I want to point out about the beast is that there is a progression to the evil. In other words, the, the, the level of evil seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. You know, you, you have this lion, fierce, but then you have a bear who's got things, you know, called to, like, go and eat flesh. And it's got, and it's pictured with, with ribs in its mouth. And then you have a leopard. Okay, leopard, not so, you know, scary and mean. Four wings and four heads. Okay, that's worse, you know. And, and then, then you have this this beast that goes unnamed, iron teeth, and tramples everything underfoot. And, and then you have this, this little horn <laughs> with eyes and a mouth, but seems to be able to speak authority over the other beast. There's a progression to the evil. And here's, here's what I love about this is that as soon as we get to, to the horns and the ten horns and the three horns above that and then the little horn with the eyes and speaks so boastfully, what we have is the Ancient of Days comes on the scene. Isn't that good news, man? Listen, I don't know where you're at in your life today. I don't know what the circumstances are. But you may be experiencing the, the, the chaos and the evil of the sea. And I just want to let you know, the Ancient of Days is ready to pop in on your scene. And, and listen to this. Here, here's the description of, of the Ancient of Days. It's this, it's this one of, of wisdom and of purity because the, the Ancient of Days is wearing a white robe and he has white hair. Those of you with white hair this morning, find comfort God has white hair. <laughs> Isn't that good stuff? If you have white hair today, no worries. God has white hair. So, so sport it like you're proud. If anybody gives you a hard time, just tell them, Daniel says that God has white hair. So take that. <laughs> and I would encourage you to say, take that. Uh, and, and then there's, there's signs of power, there's fire, there's light. And remember, as we've gone through all of these apocalyptic books and these passages, fire is a consistent theme representing the presence of God and, and represent, like God is pictured oftentimes with fire. And then he's attended by thousands and 10,000s. And if you read the rest of the book of Daniel, you have other kings who are attended by hundreds or maybe thousands. And so when the Ancient of Days shows up, the, the 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 daniel wants us to know that he god of the universe the the most powerful one there is he's not attended by hundreds he's not attended by thousands those who attend him number thousands upon thousands 10,000s upon 10,000s it's a way of of daniel speaking of the authority of the ancient of days and and the ancient of days comes in and he sets up a courtroom Because what we have here in in, in verse nine is that there were thrones that were set in place. And 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 that's a that's a, a word picture where in the midst of all this evil and this chaos and things coming up out of the sea and and just madness going, and in the midst of this conflict between the Ruah of God and the way of evil, God comes in, the Ancient of Days, and in his white robe, with his white hair, his white beard, you got to help me out here, he comes in and and he sets up a throne room, and he sets up a courtroom, boom, with this throne. And he places judgment on the evil. Now remember when we talked about the judgment isn't just God being a mean guy, but judgment is God sorting things out for his way of good in the world. Remember that that if God... If we see God as the, the white haired guy, the white robed guy who just hates me and is waiting to catch me doing something wrong, then that really affects the way in which I enter into worship or that really affects my ability to enter into worship. But rather this white robed, white haired image of God in, in the ancient of days is coming to pronounce judgment as a way of sorting the evil out to bring about the good. Are you with me there? The judgment isn't just God being a mean guy. Judgment is God sorting things out. And, and you know what? I would expect a battle in this passage, right? I mean, here, God, God, the ancient of days, shows up on the scene. He sets up his throne. He's ready to have court, right? And, and any, if you've ever been to court, you know it's a, it's a fight, right? There's, there's one side representing, you know, there's a representative of each side, and they go at it, and they're ready to fight. And that's what we would expect in a courtroom. And I would particularly expect that with the kind of beasts that are here in this passage, right? I mean, we've got a lot of violent imagery going on. And we would expect there to be a fight. But there's not. We expect there to be a battle after all this violent imagery. And we certainly expect that the the sea and the beasts out of the sea wouldn't go down without a fight. But there is no battle. In fact... Verse verse 11. I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body destroyed and thrown in the blazing fire. I mean, as quickly as the Ancient of Days shows up on the scene, the Ancient of Days pronounces judgment and the beast, the big, terrible beast, the fourth beast, is destroyed like that. Isn't that cool? I mean, as quickly as he shows up on the scene, pronounces judgment, and the judgment against the beast is quick, it's decisive, and it comes with no contest. And this isn't the only time this happens in Scripture, where we have all this imagery of, of violence, and we would expect there to be some big fight, some big battle, I mean, you would expect, with the, with the level of detail that we're given here, that Daniel would have said, and then they, then they fought it out, and then this person you know, looked like the Ancient of Days was going to lose, but then he pulled in at the end, you know? I mean, you could just kind of like, you could, I mean, like this is like the stuff of Hollywood, if he had described it, but he doesn't, because there is no battle. As soon as the Ancient of Days shows up, the beast, the big terrifying beast, is pronounced dead, on the scene, and thrown in the blazing fire. This is not the only time that this happens. In Revelation chapter nineteen, we have a similar setup, right? We we've got we've got um, We've got Jesus, who's who's pictured as as having his robe dipped in blood. He's coming in on a white horse. There's a sword coming out of his mouth. And we expect there to be sort of this epic battle between good and evil. Who will finally win in the end? We read the end of the book, and we win, right? There's no battle in Revelation chapter 19. And there's no battle in Daniel chapter 7. Why is that? Because as soon as the Ancient of Days shows up on the scene, the battle is already won. There doesn't need to be a battle between good and evil. Because, because in, particularly in Revelation, we expect this sort of big apocalyptic war, right? We expect this to be this big battle where Jesus finally wins in the end. But the blood that his robe is dipped in is his own. And the sword coming out of his mouth is the word of God. That through his death and resurrection and by his word, the victory is already won. Man, that's good news. Have you guys ever heard of the term nolo contender? Anybody? It, it, it's a legal term. And it actually, It's actually Latin, and what it means is, I do not wish to contend. That is, if a charge is being brought against you, you, you can plea in some states not guilty or not guilty, but you can plea nolo contender. Now, if I'm saying that wrong, you got to give me some grace, you know, and get the point, okay? It, it literally means no contest. It is the same as admitting guilt without actually admitting guilt. No contest. So you're guilty then. No contest. Some of you are going to take this home and, and implement it into your marriages. I do not, I do not encourage that, okay? I, you know, some of you are like, oh, that is good. No, come on now. Come on. Bear with me. The, the nolo contender plea is subject to all the same penalties as a, as a, as a plea of guilty. Here, here's what I want to say. Now, when the Ancient of Days shows up, the devil has no option but to plea no contest. The devil has no option. The evil in your life, the chaos in your life, the enemy in your life, in the face of the God who loves you, has given his life for you, has given his word for you, has no option but to plea no contest. That's good news. There's this interesting detail that right after the judgment, that, that the, the, the beast is, is uh, thrown into the fire and then it says the other beast... Were stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a period of time. They were they were robbed of their authority, but allowed to remain alive. Let me that that speaks to a very important truth in our world. That speaks to a very important truth in your life. A, a truth that you have to get a hold of, and that is this: that evil and chaos and the enemy in our world is present but defeated. The enemy in your life is present but already defeated, active, but robbed of its authority. Do you know this? Listen to this truth from God's word. The evil and chaos in your life has no authority unless you give it. Because God is greater than the evil and the chaos in your life. As soon as God shows up on the scene, white robe and all, the the devil, the enemy, the beast, have no option but to plead, no contest. Are you guilty? No contest. They don't want anything to do with it. Because they realize that in that moment, as soon as God shows up, they're already defeated. I want to tell some of you today that the enemy in your life and the, the work that he's trying to do in your life, the guilt that he's trying to produce in your life, all the, 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 the loss of self-confidence in your life, the lack of victory in your life that the enemy is trying to bring, is only has authority if you give it. Because God is greater than the enemy and the devil and the, and the evil in your life. Amen? And so what I want to encourage us to do is I want us to go about some situations where we would normally have been in, in the middle of this conflict between the, the nations of evil, the, the way of the world, and the Ruah of God. And, and, and when that conflict is happening in our life and we're tempted to give our allegiance to, to the evil of the world to proclaim the truth of God in our lives so that in that moment the devil has no option but to say no, lo contender. Like, like when your kids are driving you crazy and, and your marriage hangs on by a thread and they're talking about layoffs at work, that's a conflict. That's That's craziness. And you just feel like your life is out of control. How about you rest on the promise that God will never leave you or forsake you and that he can work all things toward the good for those who love him. So that if you're in that situation, you're working too much, they're talking about layoffs, you're trying to make ends meet, your marriage hangs on by a thread and your kids are just driving you crazy. What if we pronounce the truth of God? That God works all things together for the good of those who love him? That God will never leave me or forsake me. And when you pronounce that truth in your life, the devil says, no, low. Right? I want, to get, I, want to, you know, I want you guys to grab a picture of the kind of, of conflict that's going on in your life and the power that you have in that conflict to determine the winner. Right? I'm not trying to bestow upon you too much power, but I am trying to bestow on you the, the right to preach God's word to yourself. You don't have to come to church to get preached to. You can preach to yourself. And when you do, man, the devil backs up. No contest. I got nothing. That's like the, yeah, if we were to translate that like into modern Ebonics, it'd be like, I got nothing. Right? Come on, you guys got to help me out. Like when you've experienced victory over that addiction, but right now you're tempted and it's starting to, you're starting to slide right back into old habits. And then in that moment, you need to realize that you are made righteous by faith. And God, the true God, the Ancient of Days, is your only God. And there is no substance or habit that will rule over you. And when you come to that truth and when it sinks into your life, the Ancient of Days shows up on your, in your situation. And the devil says, No, low contender. I got nothing, I have no contest when we pronounce this truth over our lives or when you've been trying to have a baby forever and nothing seems to work and you're about ready to tell God thanks for nothing and then you remember that in Christ is available to you a peace that passes all understanding and the only person who can fill the gap of a child who is missing is God himself. Self, and when you realize that that peace is made available to you in Christ, and that Christ is the one who can fill the gap of the child who is missing, and that you so desire and long for, that even in the midst of this great struggle, even in the midst of this infertility, the devil will not have a foothold in your life, the devil will not put any lies in your ear. But if you will rest on the truth of God, he will say, No lo contender, I got nothing. You see, we need there are ways in which we can strip the power from the enemy in our lives. And if we could just grab a hold of that, if we could just learn to rest and lean into the truth of God, then we would just rob the devil of all of his power. Because guess what? The devil doesn't have any power anyway. The beasts were allowed to remain alive, but their authority was stripped. I wonder how many times we assume the authority of the enemy in our lives. And I wonder how many times we assume that the enemy has just as much power as the Ancient of Days, as God in our lives. And I just want to encourage you today from this bizarre vision, this bizarre dream of Daniel's that teaches us this incredible truth. That it is, we can give, that in order for the devil to have authority over your life, you have to give it. Now, that doesn't mean that bad things will never happen to you. It doesn't mean that you won't be disappointed. It doesn't mean that you won't be frustrated. It doesn't mean that, there'll be, that there won't be seasons in your life where you're dry spiritually. It doesn't mean that your life will just be perfect from now on. But it doesn't mean that the devil will even be active in your life, trying to derail you all the time. What I'm talking about is when the devil acts in our life and when he tries to derail us... What I'm talking about is we can either recognize that and give him the authority and allow that to play out in our lives as he would want, or we can pronounce God's truth in the midst of that situation in which the devil, will. will, his only possible response is no contest. God is on the scene, and I got nothing. Man, that's good news, church. That is good news for us. And I'm sure that you guys could think of, of many more cases and examples in our lives where we have the opportunity to hand the authority over to the ancient of days who all authority belongs to him, or rather give the devil the foothold that he 's looking for. And so I want to encourage us to live a life in which the devil says, "No lo contender." You know we've been uh, Going through this series called The Apocalypse, many of you thought it was going to be about an end-time war. And what I've just said is that the victory is already won. The war is not necessary because the war is already won. But the end is coming. I'm not going to predict the end, and I'm not one of these guys that thinks it's going to happen tomorrow, and I'm not one of these guys that that, uh, looks around at world events and checks off my checklist uh, uh, of things. But we need to live ready the apocalypse is coming. And when we understand that apocalypse means unveiling, then when I say the apocalypse is coming, what I really mean and what we really need to understand is that God and his ways will be and are being fully revealed in the world. And he will come in judgment to sort out the evil of the world in order to highlight and bring about the good. And the evil doesn't stand a chance because it's already defeated. I lead a life group on Thursday nights, or at least I think so. We haven't met in a couple of weeks. Sorry, life group. Um, we go through Hebrews, and uh, we study and we have all this great information and uh, all these original meanings of words and all this kind of stuff. And then I always ask one question at the end of the group. And the question is this. I mean, this is after we've been studying an hour or more. And uh, I'm sure the group has a love-hate relationship with this question. But the question is this. So what? And I say that So that in our Bible study group, we don't just gather more information about Hebrews and what the author wanted to say, but so that we can apply it to our lives. And so this morning, I want to sort of collectively have us ask, so what? So Daniel had this dream about beasts and a sea and the ancient of days dressed in white, with white hair. Awesome. So what? What? I want to suggest to you two so-whats. And, and these are also your next steps in, uh, in your bulletin this morning. But the first so-what is this. To realize that the chaos in my life is no contest for God. I, I just want to point out what is probably obvious. But I just want to point out to you that, that God is greater than your situation right now. I, I, I don't know what your situation is. And, and, and you, may, you may place a lot of weight on your situation. Like, like your situation may be you are, you are being abused and, and you just can't decide whether to come out with it or not. And, and that's a heavy situation. Your situation may, just, may be like, I'm, I'm just trying to find a job and I, and I need one like right now. And that, that's also a heavy situation. So, so I don't know what your situation is. I don't even know what kind of weight you place on your situation because, because the reality is, is that if it's bothering you and if it's important to you, it's important to God. And it's a big deal to you. Sometimes in our premarital, I, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and, and sometimes I'll have couples come in and, and, and there's, there's something that's, that's bothering them, and they, they're, they're saying, you know, we really shouldn't be bothered about this. This really shouldn't matter. If we really loved each other, if we were really in this together, this this little thing over here shouldn't matter. And I say, man, listen, does it matter? Well, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. We just think it shouldn't be. Well, who cares what you think about it? It's a big deal. And so I don't know what your situation is. It may be one of those things where you're like, this shouldn't be bothering me like it is. Whatever your situation is, let me tell you the truth of God. God is greater than your situation. God is greater than the situation you're in right now. And so I want you to realize that the chaos in your life is no contest for God. And then just ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on ways to appropriate that truth. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on how to realize and how to put into practice that I can demonstrate that God is greater And that this is no contest for God. That's your first one. The second one. The second, so what? Is this. I want to encourage you to preach God's truth to yourself. Preach God's word to yourself. Here are just some examples of the riches of Scripture that in the midst of a situation you can preach to yourself. Also, by the way, you may say, what's the value in reading the Bible? Reading the Bible allows God's Word to be placed in our heart. As we become more familiar with it, we're more able to draw upon the wisdom, inspiration, and encouragement from the Word of God when we're in the middle of a situation. So reading your Bible on a regular basis helps you preach to yourself. Okay? Here's some examples. God will never leave me or forsake me. He works all things toward the good for those... Who love him How about this truth? I am made righteous by faith. I love this one. I have no other God but God Himself. Therefore, no substance or habit will rule over me. I have available in Christ a peace that passes all understanding. And the list could go on and on and on. But the point is this: I want you guys to become a community of believers that makes a habit out of preaching God's word to yourself. And I believe that that will help you walk in victory with Christ. Thanks for listening to the Emmaus Road Podcast. We hope this message has been encouraging to you. If you'd like to support the ministry of Emmaus Road, you can do so online. Just visit roadfc.org and click online giving.